Welcome to Home Alone for the Holidays, the podcast where we talk about the holiday classic Home Alone in the weeks leading up to Thanksgiving. I'm one of your hosts, Sean. And I'm the other host, Brian. And with us today are three very special guests from Mean Girl Minute and Way to Dune Minute. It's Liz Whitaker. Hello. Thanks for having me. Hi, Liz. Thanks for coming. And also from Way to Dune Minute and previously of the Mogwai Minute, it's George Hendricks. Hey, that's me. Yes, that is you. And and from the awesome podcast, The Wilder Ride, covering all the movies of Gene Wilder one at a time, it's Alan Sanders. Everyone, thank you so much for letting me be part of the show. Yeah, Alan, thanks for stopping by. And joining us, as always, uh, the the lovable Dave Palace. This is our podcast, and we have to defend it. <laughs> <laughs> He's the Davis Dave of us all. <laughs> well, let's not get ahead. We're not, not quite up to that point yet. <laughs> Um, as we start this segment, our part five of six, we're getting quite near the end, but not at the end. So we start with where we left off, and that is Kevin is alone in church, and he's being approached. Uh, old Man Marley, mean, nasty, serial killer, Old Man Marley has spotted Kevin alone, and step by step, inch by inch, he approaches. And then he speaks, and it turns out he's got a very nice, not so voice. mean. Yeah, yeah. He's he's nice, old man Marley, which is just one of many twists and turns that, that oh, this movie holds. Blew my mind. I was not prepared for that. You for Boo Radley to turn out to not be a terrible person. Exactly, exactly. I like I've never seen that trope before. <laughs> <laughs> you know, though, watching this when I did uh, had very young kids, and it was great to watch it through their eyes at the same time I was seeing it and seeing how they thought the same thing as Kevin. That, you know, the, the storytelling, the, the script writing of John Hughes is great from that perspective of thinking anybody that's older than you or looks different than you, or in this case, grizzled, must be some kind of a, a bad person or a monster. And to see this sudden switch um, was great to watch my kids go, <gasps> wait, he's not bad. Oh, yeah, this was definitely my <laughs> first. I didn't know who Boo Radley was. So this was my first experience with the scary old man hermit recluse type guy turning out to have a heart of gold so when you finally read to kill a mockingbird you're like hey boo radley's just like that guy from home alone <laughs> i mean probably <laughs> I really, he does give a uh, he does give a duval vibe here does robert duval play boo radley in something i mean some version of to kill a mockingbird <laughs> obviously it would be to kill a mockingbird he's in the he's in the uh, hip-hop remix <laughs> He's a, he plays Boo Boo Radley. Mm, cool. The role of a lifetime. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, one thing I wondered because I got I got the impression when Buzz is first telling Kevin this tale about the South Bend shovel slayer, like I thought that was just something Buzz had made up to to kind of scare Kevin and, and scare their cousin, but then. When but then Marley says like there are a lot of things going around about me like so is the is that not just Buzz was the whole neighborhood talking or is there some other rumor going around aside from the 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 shovel slayer stuff? Well, I would like to point out the fact that just because he's nice doesn't actively mean he's not the South Bend shovel slayer. Right? Maybe he really did have to murder someone with a shovel. South Bend's yeah. a tough place. It can be Listen. it can be tough out there. Yeah, folklore has roots in truth. Yeah, maybe it was self-defense, and he's getting painted as a you know shovel murderer, but he was a shovel self-defender. 
who are harassing kids. He actively had to kill someone when he was younger with a shovel. And it's just sort of like there was a there was suspicion and it's sort of a stigma that hung around him and he never shook it. Be just an act, a really elaborate ploy where he himself created the guise of being the shovel slayer only to be able to go after little children on his own. Just no one's <laughs> going to believe it, right? <laughs> Maybe it was just his online like persona it. and it got out of hand. Oh, yeah. That was his wow character. He was an there, internet early adopter. Shovel Slayer. Just, I have to just say this again. The church looks <laughs> awesome. I mean, everything they do in this movie is completely holiday-based. There's not one scene without it just oozing Christmas. It is, and it's, it is a beautiful church. And they're saying they picked great care, great music. This is oh. a good song. Although it is oh. weird when you have like that sort of like mental tie-in to songs. Um, just like I can never hear... Uh, do you hear what I hear without the the weird gremlins twist at the end to it? Because I, as a kid watching that movie, I heard it so much. When we get to the point in this movie where the where the where the sort of like intense part kicks in, every time I hear this song, I always have that sort of moment where it switches into that because of that. Even though it's not really part of the song. When it comes to Christmas, first of all, I know that we're five parts in. This is my first time being part of it. So I don't know how much you've talked about the holiday in and of itself. But of all the holidays, my wife and I are probably the closest to being Christmas fanatics. Like we're already sharing less than 90 days till Christmas. And people are saying it's too early. Um, Mm -hmm. We put up a tree like in every room. We start off with the great tree in the big room. And then every room gets a tree, the whole outside, the whole nine yards. And so I always try to figure out where my Christmas songs are. And I always break it up into secular and religious. And this is my all-time favorite religious-based song, Oh Holy Night. I cannot get enough of this mm-hmm. song anytime it's being played. I'm usually in the car just, just playing it as loud as I can, wh- whichever version it happens to be. It's a good Doesn't, song. Doesn't Bare Naked Ladies do a cover of this song? Uh, no, it's We Three Kings. And, <laughs> yeah, uh, Sarah McLaughlin comes in. Yeah, it's, yeah it's, that's, that's right. definitely my Christmas mix. <laughs> also, also more than one version of Oh Holy Night. Yeah. Oh, for what it's worth, my favorite rendition, I'm going to give it to Michael Crawford. Maybe it's because I saw Phantom of the Opera with him still playing the Phantom. And so his version to me is still the absolute best version out there. You think he's trying to hook up Kevin with his uh, granddaughter? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> they are about the same age. so She's yeah. a little bit older. He's second grade. She looks like she's third. third you know, maybe like. Because he says he doesn't know her, right? In this. Right. 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 Yeah. Kevin doesn't yes. know her. Marley obviously knows her. <laughs> I have more thoughts about that anyway, but uh, let's talk about like I always got the idea that maybe because when I watched this, I was like, I mean, come on, because what is, this came out in 90, 90, 90, 90. Yeah. And yeah. I was 13 when this movie came out. And so I remember watching this movie and and in the theater, I remember seeing this in the theater and and laughing my butt off at the the crazy stuff we're about to get into. But just being murdered by the slow parts, mm-hmm. just emotional. It's like, oh god, why are they talking some more? I don't care about families. Get to the part where the people are getting hurt. <laughs> but at that age, well, I was like, he's like, I think he's trying to set Kevin up with his daughter. Good for you, old man, Marley. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, because if she wants to see Kevin, who's right next door, but grandfather, you know, yeah, so he, yeah, he, wins, I, he gets to see her as well. I definitely was like, are you trying to get an in with your granddaughter here? Like, I, uh, I yeah, found you a boy. Do you, you, like you boy, really right? want, do, do you think he wants his granddaughter to get involved in a, a criminal family like that? 
Oh, here comes the criminal family yeah. conspiracy. He's the judge. South Bend Slayer. He, she's the one to talk. <laughs> okay. Okay. He's like the Luca Brazzi and uh, and Kevin's father's like the Godfather. Yeah, okay. he salts with the fishes. <laughs> it's so. This is just like a business arrangement. The meeting of two families here <laughs> that they're gonna. <laughs> you come to me in my daughter's choir practice for a favor. <laughs> I'm seeing this film in a whole new light. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But their conversation I, I, is great, though, where they start to get into it. Listening to him, he's just telling me, yeah, you know, you don't have to be afraid of me. I mean, what, what do you think a serial killer is going to tell you? Of course. You can say that. <laughs> yeah, but like it no was afraid though, of me know. up until I eat your face. <laughs> but again, as a your tender <laughs> seven year old face. <laughs> it's, it's like feel. Mm hmm. <laughs> Free range because that kid grows everywhere. He has no parents. Mm. <laughs> little Chianti on the side. <laughs> oh, mac and cheese uh, on the side. Talking yeah. about the the conversation though, I do like how they both give each other a little bit of wisdom that for some reason the other one didn't consider or didn't really take. And, and I thought it was kind of a nice scene as an adult watching it. I certainly like that. That you know, Kevin basically tells the grandfather, "Go for it." You know, I'm sure she she'd love to hear from you and. He's, of course, telling him, you know, don't be afraid of me. You know, I'm not a bad guy. And I like that, that they kind of come to terms with who they really are versus the perception of who they thought they were. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a good moment. Movie wise, it's a good moment. I think it's weird that Kevin's advice boils down to. So I'm afraid of my basement. What are you even what are you talking about? Call your son. You know, it's like that's that's the sort of like non sequitur seven year old logic that you can kind of come across. It's like, okay, you're 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 spilling your wisdom. You're you're spilling the tea, but you're point is what his point is that call your son yeah you're, right now you're sad and scared and at least if you do that and it goes bad then you're you'll just be sad oh, then you're just sad you're not sad you're and sad. scared right but you have the <laughs> yeah. chance of being happy and isn't this kind of a warning to kevin i mean this is kevin in 50 years if he just doesn't care about family well yeah I, I wonder about that is this like an alternate reality time traveling kevin from the future kevin's the south bend shovel slayer <laughs> <laughs> oh that's why he came up with the cover story to hide the fact that it's future kevin that way nobody would start doing any digging and find out who he really is oh he made up the granddaughter no he made up him no he made up being oh. the shovel slayer <laughs> Well, maybe he did make up the granddaughter. He just pointed at wait, some random wait, kid. Part is the cover story. Oh, he pulled from Charlie Brown, the little redhead girl, and he just used that oh. as kind of the mythos. Okay. But yeah, I think this really gets to what I feel is like the moral of the story. Kind of the point of the whole movie is what you know. What's you know? Don't be afraid. It's worth taking a chance. And if you fail, at least then you know. But I also just think give it a to go along with that is. You know, family, you only get one family. You may not like them sometimes, but Kevin's realizing what was really cool initially about being without any family around has slowly started to show itself as maybe it's not so cool after all to be without family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is this is his warning. This is what he's going to become if he continues down this path. He's going to be just without family, too. What's odd is they seem to, at this point, trust each other enough to kind of, you know, get, get you know, talk some emotional stuff. It's a shame Kevin's like, so have you seen those plumber guys? You know, like it's like they start just they just start saying like you know. I mean, those plumber guys have been around this neighborhood a lot. I mean, first of all, you know, Marley should also be like, "Hey, where are your parents?" By the way, I've seen you around the neighborhood and not them or all your family. Yeah, I was wondering like at the because at the so at the end of this conversation, he's like, "You just you better run along and go home." 
Like, but there's you, like there's, he must know because it seems like everyone knows. Like, you know, the McAllisters knew the Murphys were going away. The you know the Murphy boy knew the McAllisters were going. Well, though two vans showing up full of luggage probably gave it away. But like Marley must know. The rest of the McAllisters are gone. Well, the he's kid not is up going... on the neighborhood gossip because I know, but he's the shovel the, the lady at the at the grocery store had enough presence of mind to go, "Where's your mom?" Yeah. Well, and then she saw she knows that the guys on that the kid is on the run from the law that he ran off with the toothbrush because he was at in the in the drugstore at the time. So like he doesn't think you know maybe yeah oh. maybe I should keep an eye on you and then and yeah and Kevin doesn't think to say oh by the way. These you know criminals are coming to my house at nine o'clock. If you want to be there, you went in on that. Well, maybe that's what he <laughs> argued with his son about. Was like he just didn't realize that you know, like he was babysitting the granddaughter or something, just like let her, left her alone because he was like, "What kids can be just on their own, right? That's fine." <laughs> and his that's son, thing, right? his son wasn't cool with that. And then we come down to so I, I have a question. So the only time he can see his granddaughter is at choir practice. Where are her parents? Do they just like roll up, drop her off, and then speed speed out? Like, I is that how they do that? Yeah, probably. That's yeah. what happened when Not, she went to college. If she were practice. fifteen, that'd be one thing. But she's she's his age. That's too young to just like roll off and leave her kid there. Like, oh, country, my friend. I have been in too many pool parties and other things with my kids growing up. Where you get the parents thinking, "This is it. We get two hours to ourselves. Drop them off. They're at a church. Who cares? We'll be back in two to pick you up." Yeah, they're gonna bang under the tree. It happens all <laughs> yeah. the time. We used to, when we would host a, a five and six year old, a pool party, not just a church choir. I mean, pool party. And I have like five year olds being dropped off when my kids were younger. I'm like, what kind of parent? I mean, I'm going in and I'm hanging out and keeping an eye on my kid when I, when I did it. But some parents, they don't care. Yeah. And also, do you think she ever says, oh, by the way, grandpa was at choir practice again? You know, like, they don't know that he uses this as an avenue to see her, and all he does is sit there and watch. I feel he's very shovel slayery in that. <laughs> well, it perpetuates the story. I think in reality, if she does go home and say that, mom might be hoping that that eventually breaks through to the son, you know, her husband. But I don't know. It's, it's one of those things where you don't really think about it until you start doing this, like what we're doing now. <laughs> But um, over I wonder if that's know. just part of that underlying. Maybe eventually it'll get through to the son to go ahead and you know re reacquaint relationships with his dad. Yes, or maybe they know he's seeing her. Maybe it's like okay, you're going to see Grandpa tonight. Drop off. You know they don't want to completely deny him uh, visiting rights. That's Ooh. why they leave her alone. They know Grandpa's ah, going to be there. Yeah, right, there you right. go. Yeah. He'll shovel yeah. slay anybody he that comes near her. <laughs> yeah, no, he probably watches. Yeah, he probably watches the practice and he leaves. And then, yeah, the parents come at the service and then take her home. Um, as long as they don't have to interact with him, then yeah, it's fine. They're the uh, ones that probably started the rumor that he was a shovel slayer. <laughs> well, maybe they got in a fight because her son was like, "Hey, Dad, stop shovel slaying." <laughs> yeah. like, That's what the fight oh, was no. about. His son mouthed off. His dad got ha- he, shovel slayer here. He actually just hit him over the head with a shovel, and that's how he got the reputation. Mm, shovel slayers got a shovel slay, man. <laughs> oh, Slayer's well, got a slay. Well, I, I also would like if if uh, yeah, if old man Marley would have like kind of cleared up like the uh, the pharmacy situation. Like, was he like? Oh, don't worry. I cleared. I cleared it up with the pharmacy. Like I paid for uh, your toothbrush, and, and then I I just slayed everybody in the store. So <laughs> there were no witnesses. There were, yeah, no witnesses. The entire place was dead, and there was two fifty on the counter for a toothbrush. <laughs> yeah. and, Macaul- and the band aids. Macaulay Culkin is great in this scene, also. By the way, 
Yeah. Well, I like it. And this goes back, I think, a little bit what, what you were saying, I think it was Alan before, that this is – it bothers me – as now that I'm adult, when you have a when the precocious kid knows everything, and all the adults are complete idiots, which I'm sure is entertaining for children, but it's you know it 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 doesn't work for me. Where this is, he's you know they're they're both getting pieces of information, they're both giving advice. Kevin has grown in his time alone; he's become a little bit more grown up, I think. But he doesn't know everything. There's still some stuff that. That Marley can tell him. If they ever made a sequel with Kevin as an adult, it would be called Time Alone. <laughs> It'd be very dark and introspective, and cool. there would be shovels. Uh. <laughs> I would funny. watch that. I would. I would. Yeah. I would. If they ever made a sequel to this movie, I would definitely watch. Directed it. by Lars von Trier. <laughs> you mean like I mean, Home Alone Kevin too? Kevin could call it solitary. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like call it solitary. He's in the hole, uh, and this whole thing that we're seeing right now is him fever dreaming while he's been left all alone. Yep, he's oh, thinking geez. back to his youth and how he became the South Bend Shovel Slayer. This is his origin story. <laughs> you're, you're, he got too much of a taste for violence to human beings, and it just stuck. I, I gotta say, your 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 word on prison did remind me. Uh, I feel like how Kevin how Kevin described second grade and get, getting like a bad you know annoying sweater <laughs> is like. You know, like as if he saw a guy getting shanked in like yeah. the exercise yard, like at the big house. Yeah, the first day of second grade, you just pick out the biggest kid yeah. and kick his ass. <laughs> I got a friend of mine who got hammered because he didn't join the area nation. <laughs> oh, second grade is tough. <laughs> and remember, no, Kevin still thinks his parents are completely gone. So we're yeah. still dealing with that. Well, that's another thing is like he doesn't know they're coming back. So everything he's speaking to is from a perspective of I am on my own for now. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know what's going on. I'm by myself. Yeah. He doesn't know if they're ever coming back. Yeah. Which which really does when he does run back saying, you know, I have to defend my house. It's like this is the last thing I have now. Like if my parents ever come back, I need to keep the house. Yeah, until the mortgage is overdue and he gets kicked out. I can't afford to buy a new house. Well, that's because <laughs> I, so I wonder, like, if he he does he really think his parents are never coming back? Yes, he does. Why would why would he think otherwise? Yeah, at this He's point, given no indication. They don't call. He knew they yeah. were going on vacation, right? But the cars are still. Yeah, in but the he doesn't realize garage. that they just left with with a car. Service. He thinks. He got Kurt Cameron, which is to mean he got left behind. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh. I love that. Whoa. Again, and, and it's perfect seven-year-old logic, you know, that yeah. it, he, he's got the facts that he thinks he knows from a seven-year-old's perspective. Nobody's called him. Nobody's come over to say otherwise. The only people that have been dropping by have been either seeing the shovel slayer outside his house or the guys trying to break in. Right, and he wished them away the night before, and he woke up and they're gone. So, yeah, mm -hmm. to a kid, it's like, oh my god, what did I do? Right. I'm so magical. <laughs> well, that so that explains why he grows up to be the Joker because he wished he <laughs> wrong show, wrong show. Wrong. He wished his family away, and now he's just surrounded by like thieving plumbers and shovel murdering neighbors. Hmm. Yeah, Thomas Wayne takes over the mortgage payment, moves into the house, <laughs> kicks him out. <laughs> Well, Chicago is Gotham, so I mean it all fits yeah. in that way. Yeah. All right, so uh, I let's if there's nothing else on this uh, this church scene and the conversation. Well, we haven't talked about Carol of the Bells yet. That's oh, yeah, the best please, song. Because I was going to say this transition song is absolutely fantastic. 
It's a great song normally. It's even better here. Oh, I love when you get a good... This is a very good church children's choir, by the way. Oh, yeah, they're solid. Very accomplished. Mm -hmm. Young. (laughs) Why are they they even practicing? They don't need it anymore. (laughs) That's why they sound so good because of all the practice. Oh, is that what it is? But yeah, that Carol of the Bells is probably my favorite Christmas carol, and they do it excellently. I'm going to have to agree. Uh, it's probably the the second most favorite app behind Oh Holy Night. So to me, I get the I get the one two punch oh, yeah. from this scene the and then the transition. Yeah. When I like the way it starts out, it it seems like like is this are there is it diegetic? Like is Kevin looks up like he hears the bells and he suddenly realizes what time it is, and then the bells go right into the, the soundtrack. But yeah, they're singing. The choir is like singing Carol of the Bells, and then it turns into like Trans-Siberian Orchestra Carol of the Bells, <laughs> which I, I'm going to say is not diegetic. No, but I'm totally down with that because I really like them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And just and and then, and the combination. Too. It is. It's the choir is singing. You hear a single toll of a bell, and then mm-hmm. it turns into the uh, the Carol of the Bells because you can hear the, just a little bit of a different sound from the second bell from the first. So I think he recognizes the first bell as the gong of the strike of nine o'clock or whatever time it is. Maybe it's the bottom of the hour, given half, you know, it only rings once before he gets home. Um, so I think it is a combination. You're hearing the choir sing the bong. I think the first one is absolutely a, a bottom of the hour or whatever time mm-hmm. is ringing. And then from that point, the song becomes the soundtrack. Yeah. Yep. I, I would, before we uh, jump too far down the rabbit hole and leave the church, I would like to point out that I just Googled uh, Marley's granddaughter because I wanted to see who played her just in case she was like someone interesting. The Home Alone Beyond fandom.com wiki. Oh, yeah. Uh, her name is Madison Marley. Uh, she does grow up and marry Kevin. Yeah. What? And uh, <laughs> yeah. she was born yeah. January 12th, 1982. So that's yeah. how old she would be today. <laughs> Wait. You didn't say how old she would be today. You didn't actually. You, well, do, you do the January twelfth, nineteen eighty-two. Is like thirty-seven. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. That is correct. Be with themselves. <laughs> Dave is really happy right now. Yeah, I had that in my yeah. notes. Like, you think they ever got together? It's like, yeah. Question answer. So wait, what year? She was born in eighty-two. Eighty-two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so Macaulay was born in eighty. Old man Marley looking down on us. Yeah. So so right. he's 49, but, I mean 39. But the age is, all, age is about right. Works out. Shovel slate yeah, somewhere. And <laughs> I would have been five when this movie came out. If she was born in 82, she'd be three years older than me. That would have made her eight while she's up there singing. There's an entire article on, on Vice about how old man Marley is the worst character in Home Alone. That's good. That's real good. <laughs> what? No. Even, even worse than uh, Marv? Yeah. The guy who leaves the water running everywhere he goes. I mean, the, yeah, yeah, I would say like he's the most ignorant character. Like the fact that, yeah, he easily sees the signs around him and is like, nah, I'm not going to get involved. Yeah. I mean, if this if this was done today, like that, that's like the, the fact that he's wasting all that water is worse than stealing. Like, fine, yeah. steal oh, yeah. from the rich. Like he's a little Robin Hood there. But yeah, leave the planet for that, the future, but... Marv. <laughs> yeah. Come on, Marv. <laughs> yeah, he would have the environmentalists after him. Hardcore. Yeah. Catching before the police did. <laughs> yeah, there's a very long article on Vice about how what a bad character he is, and that includes apparently the the uh, the, the presentation of Donald Trump in the second one. So, um, <laughs> but, but I mean, he serves a, a good purpose. I mean, he is there. 
it, it does show Kevin his future. If he doesn't yeah. change, it kind of nails the point home. Uh, He's like the, the spirit of Christmas future sort future. of thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. But it's, I, I'll have to send the link so everyone can like look at it because it's it's pretty funny that there's an article on just how bad he is. That's it. Opinion piece to the New York Times <laughs> this <laughs> Sunday about Not how bad he is. <laughs> I thought he was all right. I didn't think he was that bad. <laughs> Uh, all right. So, so yeah. well, before we get, so we've left the church. Before we get into uh, Kevin's house and whether or not he has to defend it, um, let's let's hear from our guests. And in particular, I want to hear about what's what's your history with this movie. When did you first see it? Is this like a you know, is it part of your yearly Christmas traditions? What's up? And uh, let's start with Alan. So you've told us some of your favorite Christmas music. Where does this film fit in? This is one that, especially when my kids were younger, we would watch a lot more than we do now. Um, I never saw it in the theater. It was one of those movies I was 20 when it came out. So I didn't really feel like I was going to Mm -hmm. go see the movie with a bunch of my buds. Hey, guys, Home Alone's out. But uh, when my kids were younger, we actually bought it and then had it. And so we would watch it with them. And that's when I first watched it as a a parent with my younger kids and said, you know, let's throw this in as a kid. in the rotation of kids movies. And it's definitely up there. It is a, I mean, I'm a big John Hughes fan, no matter what. And I just think as a Christmas story and as a kid's story, it's, it's got something for everybody. It reminds me a little bit how, you know, the Muppets always used to have just enough humor for adults that we would watch the Muppet show, but enough stuff for the kids. They kept watching too. And then, you know, you could have a whole family adventure watching it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, I think that that's, yeah, it certainly works on that level coming into it as, as an adult, there's, there's plenty there to entertain. Uh, yeah, so uh, I'll, Liz, you're next. So, what's your? You've you've told us how young you were when this movie came out. So, when did you first see it, and, and what do you think about it? Uh, I can't remember if we saw it in the theater or not. I'm guessing no, because we didn't do a lot of movie theater watch it. We didn't go to movies as a family or anything when I was a kid, uh, and I wasn't old enough to be going to see movies with my friends. So <laughs> yeah, when this first came out, you would have been was, a little young. I, I of five. course, then again, we hear some parents just drop just, five-year-olds off at the theater sure, to just leave them alone. Twenty bucks, have fun. <laughs> Get a taxi home when you're done. Um, Call an Uber. <laughs> but then I we I remember we watched it a bunch as kids, and I don't think I don't remember really registering it as a Christmas movie. Um, I think we watched it whenever we wanted to watch anything mm-hmm. because it was fun. And I do remember going to the airport with my aunt once and it having like carpeting that reminded me of the family running through the airport terminal. So I felt like I was in Home Alone. <laughs> and then I kind of forgot about it for a long time. I think the first time I had watched it in, I don't know, maybe 20 years was last Christmas. I my Christmas movie rotation is mostly like Charlie Brown Christmas and the Muppets Christmas Carol and then whatever terrible um, annual cheesy Hallmark romance yeah, movies Hallmark. they make. You're one of those. No, I don't. I just watch them because the, it's they're usually well decorated. <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to watch Home Alone this year? Next if year? I it, it's not streaming anywhere that I could find right now, so probably not unless it gets added to something hmm. okay hmm. no blu-ray for you i guess i don't own a blu-ray player or any uh physical media except for books just pure digital yep gotcha gotcha 
She's like, books, paper, movies, digital. Yeah. (laughs) Well, yeah, because I kept losing things when I would move. And then I was just like, you know what? I have a way to do all of this digitally. So I'm going to do it. Stop moving. Oh, it's everywhere. It's uh. Well, it's not included with Amazon Prime, but it's available to rent and buy Amazon Prime, Google Play, Apple, Vudu, Redbox. Mm, yeah, yeah I meant streaming for free. But it's not streaming for free. Yeah, yeah. Maybe YouTube. But. She pays her taxes. She's like, where is it? You know? She, she... It's not on Netflix, though, at least according to JustWatch.com. No. I hope by December they put I really do hope they put it on. Yeah. Get on that Netflix. Get on that. It must have been included somewhere last year, or I just mm-hmm. decided to rent it because I was feeling in the mood for Home Alone. I don't, who knows? All right. All right. And so, George, what's your what's your history with the Home Alones? Um, like I said earlier, I saw this in the theater. I remember going specifically to see it. Um, I don't remember it being like a we got to see Home Alone. It was like a family thing. So we all went together because mm-hmm. there are five years between me and my youngest sibling. And so I think we were all at a good age to kind of like just go have a family movie thing. And so we went and checked it out. And I remember like laughing a lot at like, you know, the parts. And I still have like some of the one of the reasons why I wanted this section is because some of the funniest but yes, cringiest moments are in this um, <laughs> in this section. Oh, yeah. But yeah, it's not been a staple. It's I think. At the age I was at, the 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 comedic payoff wasn't really worth what I felt was like the whole schmoopy schmaltzy like like oh we're family and friends and love and that sort of thing kind of like just didn't resonate with me as much. So mm-hmm. it never got added to my roster as far as a regular Christmas thing. But I'm also typically a more of a diehard Gremlins Christmas movie, Nightmare Before Christmas kind of guy, rather than you know like the Hallmark traditional whatever Love Actually type route. <laughs> You've so, named like every movie I end up right. watching every Christmas. <laughs> I, know, I, like, yeah. I feel judged right now. You're so attacked, everyone. <laughs> I love Love Actually. That's my wife and I's probably all time favorite just couples movie. We could watch the two of us, but we'll go all the way through to Nightmare like, Before Christmas, Gremlins, Die Hard. I'm the only one actually gets yelled at in my house. I'm like, it's a Christmas movie. I'm like, no, it's not. I'm like, yes, it is. They say I, so. I don't dislike Love Actually, but I definitely don't make that also a I got to watch this movie type thing. It's more of like, a, oh, it's on about a halfway through like, yeah, okay. I'll watch the rest of it. That sort of thing. It's not like ever like, I'm, I'm here's, here here's my Electrolux Blu-ray copy that I'm going to like, you know, the best ever. I just, it's just, if it's on, I watch it for but, us. Um, I don't yeah. know what it was. It's like that one movie we happened to catch the one time together and it clicked. And for that, from that point on it, we, it's an annual rewatch regardless. Mm-hmm. Even if it's, no, in it's, the it's of a summer, good couple movie to watch. Absolutely. So I, that's definitely a thing, but um, yeah, so I, it's not a regular rotation thing. I do appreciate it more now that I'm older and have a kid and sort of kind of like, you know, kind of like see it from both my perspective as an adult and then from her perspective as a child and that sort of thing. So I have more of an appreciation for it on the other end of, of my viewing of it, but it's, it's still not a staple. Okay. Um, so getting back to, to the film, to the home alone, Kevin is running up towards his house, and I, I picked up two things. One is we see the various lights, uh, the holiday lights, the Christmas lights outside the houses come on, uh, tied to the timers that we saw previously in the movie. And, and the McAllister lights come on just as Kevin is running up. And then that's the second thing I noticed is the door's unlocked. Like, he doesn't pull out a key or anything, and he goes in through the front door. Because kids are not very security conscious. Like, what, like well, 
Well, yeah, I don't. Well, he, but he knows he knows Harry and Marv are coming. He knows there are criminals prowling this neighborhood. But he, but he just not, leaves. He his knows they're not going to be there till nine o'clock. Yeah, Brian. Say, he yeah. knows what time they're going to be there. He assumes <laughs> because they're they very are stupid punctual. enough to announce their plan. And I think the lights. I think I think Harry said the lights come on like around this area at eight. I think they said. So we are. I think that's where the lights are telling us that he has an hour now to prepare. Was I was wondering about that because I went back and I watched that that part where you know where they're sitting in the van and Harry's pointing to Marv like oh this house now and this house then and and I, I couldn't I didn't I didn't catch what he said a specific time he was just saying now and now um, but if you counted when we heard the bells from from the carol there were eight bells and so I wondered if that was supposed if we're supposed to infer from that. That it is eight o'clock, and that and that would mean Kevin has exactly one hour. That would make sense. Assuming yeah. that these criminals are are prompt. Yeah, that that all checks. Well, they're out. the wet bandits, not the late bandits. <laughs> yeah, they're not the. Late bandits. Well, and you know what? Uh, yeah. That aside, I do like the cinematography of the lights coming on as Kevin is crossing frame in front of the houses that he's moving in front of. So, mm-hmm. like down the street, you see the house come on, and then as he crosses the neighbor's yard, it comes on, and then he runs up his step. It's kind of a neat little effect. Like you're seeing everything coming to life on the street just when he knows he's got to go home to prepare for the oncoming attack. And it's it, right. the cinema, from the cinematography perspective, camera movement and just what's happening. It's a, it's really nice timed with the music. Speaking of, of yeah. plans, if he has so much to do, why is he going to church to hang out for a while before <laughs> this whole ordeal? I don't think I'd be able to sit still if I knew I had to defend my home against grown up invaders and had an entire very elaborate plan set out and hope that I could get it all done in an hour. I don't oh. think he had the resolve to do it until he uh, had had the conversation with old. No, he has to because he's got a fairly drawn out plan. He couldn't have drawn that plan. Oh, he drew it out, but I don't think he had the resolve to implement it. I swear yeah, I well, he will, well, I will say I don't think the church was a planned visit. He went to see Santa and he's walking home after visiting Santa's village and having his little and, and asking Santa to bring his family back. Yeah. And then I think he was just he just happened to be walking past the church and maybe he heard some music and he's like, oh, let me go in and, and see what's going on in there. Yeah. See, I took it as your wife's in there singing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'm taking it as a last ditch effort to get his parents back. Like he's okay. in there, just like, all right, come on, help me out just, here, please okay. have them come in back. Case in, case, in case Santa doesn't, doesn't, come doesn't yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, he's, hedging he's, his bets. He's, yeah, he's kind of jumping the hierarchy. He's like, all right, I gotta go. Well, I mean, well, that's that's a whole another thing. Like, so in the the Santa. Jesus hierarchy, and I think South Park already addressed that question. So let's face it, most of <laughs> us at, at Christmas time ask Santa for what we want, and all the rest of the time we're asking God for what we want. So hey, he's just doing both. Yeah, just all right. He's he's covering things up. Um, <laughs> but also, yeah, but like, so he, as a I was gonna say, as a kid, I put everything off till the last possible minute before I started it. But let's be real, I still do that. Yeah, <laughs> that wasn't. <laughs> I never grew out of that. That's not a yeah. Yeah, that's uh, some things you you never outgrow, which is and and but he he does have a plan, even if he hasn't quite left himself a lot of time to implement it. Oh yeah, making the plan's not the hard part; it's executing the plan. Yeah, and I do like so. This is um, a little behind the scenes stuff. Is uh, Macaulay drew up this plan that they that they show us here in the movie. So this is, wow. you know, this is what a, well, he's nine. Macaulay's nine. I believe in the movie, Kevin is supposed to be eight. But so this is something actually. second grade, but that's like seven. 
Well, you don't know when his birthday is. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it's in November. Maybe, but I feel like I don't know. <laughs> yeah, he'd be well, they go back and forth in the in in the novelization. They say he's seven. So well, he 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 but he's seven or eight. Um, but this is actually drawn up by a by a young person, probably with some direction. I'm guessing um, from an adult, but yeah. So it's it's a pretty detailed map. It's got uh, most of the things, or a lot of the things we're going to see Kevin actually setting up are, are mapped out here. But there's still some surprises. There's a few things that didn't quite make it into uh, into this version of the map, at least. It really yeah. reminds me of the uh, the. The cafeteria map from Mean Girls. Yeah, it does. <laughs> so if he rolls it out any further, you'll see it says cool Asians on the very top. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, I just realized it's signed by Kevin McAllister. Yeah. But hey, that's going to go now. Once he becomes like the head of security somewhere and like is actually like like right, like like doing talks and stuff on home invasion and that sort of thing. Yeah, I think it's been worth something. <laughs> But I do love, and of course, when you were, when we had it, unless you paused your VCR when it first came out on v, you know video, and then later on DVD, if you pause it just long enough, like on this shot of the whole map, every single thing that we're going to see next was actually all on this. I mean, it's perfect. Yeah, yeah. The setups and the payoffs are crazy in this movie. Yeah, well, <laughs> and I like if you in if if you do pause it and you look at the map, you can probably find pictures of it online, but. Uh, the spelling, the Christmas ornaments that that he spells O R N A M I N T S. Close enough. <laughs> ornaments, yeah. Ornaments. He knew what it Everybody spells it that way. Xmas <laughs> yeah. ornaments. Xmas, yeah. Well, Christmas is a really long word to write out. <laughs> he didn't have space in that map. Oh yeah, yeah. No, he he'll, fire, he's, he's, ice. He's, it's very uh, <laughs> elemental. This plan. <laughs> Red hat. He's got some red hat. I like how big yeah, yeah. the feathers are. Yeah. And, and tar. <laughs> just tar. Like, because everyone has tar. Everyone just has that in their house. When you're doing re- roofing or anything, any roofing work, you might. But, I mean, even the micro machines, which was when my brothers growing up, because I was the oldest of four, that those became huge right around this same time. So it's cool that you've got sort of a topic or at that time, the micro mini machines and micro machines were like big for, for that air for that time. I also like that he literally draws the micro machine with the uh, missile on it. Yeah, the he, like the one. specific one he puts out. <laughs> he really had foresight, a, this kid. Yeah. He did. He did. And it is so cool, though, watching him set it up, especially as a kid. I, I remember it was just like, it's just awesome. You're like, all right, yeah, I'm going to do this when I get home. It's what I always wanted Mousetrap, the game, to be. Yeah. <laughs> and it never was. Yeah. I had the uh, Home Alone board game, but of course was, you did, Dave. Yeah, but like, yeah, no, the game was actually not fun, and like the gadgets didn't really work because they were. It was pretty much like a poor man's mousetrap, and uh, yeah, it was. Uh, it was bad. Well, rich, rich man's mousetrap, which by the yeah. way, I had to play at a friend's house, was also not good. <laughs> <laughs> I remember liking mousetrap, but I never actually played the actual version of like the. Okay, we're spinning the dude. And did that. It would always just like, let's just put the pieces together and then let it roll. Destroy. Yeah, that's all we did. Yeah. It's just like, let's try to get the ball to the thing or the guy. To- let's put it together, find out which piece is missing. And then <laughs> screw this. Yeah. Which seven pieces we don't have. Yeah. What rubber band <laughs> broke. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, so we see Kevin uh, going out. He's putting down the micro machines. He's pouring water on the front steps. He's grabbing the um, the, the the starter from the grill, and we're going to get a couple shots. But I think this is the first shot we get during this episode of our Chekhov spider. Yeah, this little guy mm. has been popping up all. Over. I assume it's the same one. Chekhov tarantula, is- unless they have a weird tarantula infestation. Yeah, yeah. that's what I'm saying. In case he's yeah, you know. Unless Buzz's spider or Buzz's tarantula got out and like found a lady friend and invited her over, and then she brought a couple of her friends with her. Yeah, and that's how you get arachnophobia. <laughs> <laughs> and you have the one spider who's like, "Well, I've got uh, flies and grubs for eight. Do you think that's enough?" <laughs> Can I tell you something about the the rope thing uh, that he sets up? Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I tried this with my brothers as a kid, not because we'd seen this movie, but because we were, were used to seeing Bugs Bunny cartoons and stuff. Without mm-hmm. a ratchet or something to really tighten it. This isn't going to work, just to let you know. <laughs> also, also he doesn't have the height differential to make an actual like descent. It's not like a zip line where he can just kind of, kind of slide down. It's He's basically parallel, which means he's, he's going to hop on the thing and go maybe got a foot just with momentum and then stop. Nowhere. Mm. When I, we, I tried this, like I said, as a kid. We strung a rope between two of our backyard trees. It was probably about 25 or 30 feet apart. And it works for about the first five or six feet. But then as your weight starts to go further along the rope, mm-hmm. Next thing I know, I'm stretching further down and down. And then I was literally hovering about a foot and a half above the ground and started freaking out. And I let go. But then my foot got caught. And so I'm dangling from this thing. And then I fell out. And I I was too embarrassed to tell my mom. But I'm like crying. And what happened? I'm like, nothing. Because I didn't want to get in trouble for stringing a rope between two trees. Was it an icicle? Did you blame an icicle? (laughs) (laughs) Shoot your eye out. No. uh, Yeah. But it was the craziest thing. And like my Kevin McAllister brain thought, oh, if you just tie a rope between two trees, it's going to be like walking a tightrope. But no, it's not. No. Yeah. The the tension required, in addition to the height differential so that you're actually going down, the the tension required is way more than an eight-year-old child is going to be able to to pull out on his own. Um, Like you said, he'll, he'll just drop down. He'll end up a foot off the ground somewhere in between. So speaking of, uh, we've already brought this up as far as like Christmas movies that inspired other Christmas movies. When this was pitched, was it basically like, so it's like, it's like Die Hard, but with a kid. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, make it. Yeah. Do it. Yeah. Yeah. Sold. He did a line Pretty of much. cocaine. Like, ah, do it. Well, I mean, if you think about it, you got to think about the kind of like the number of movies that would never have gotten made if Die Hard hadn't existed. Oh, there's tons. Oh Die Hard with a Vengeance. Yeah, I mean, aside from the sequels, which are <laughs> questionable at best. Yeah, exactly. You know, I never thought of this as like a Die Hard. Like even I know I get what you're saying to to, to pitch it. I always just thought it was a, a Bugs Bunny cartoon come to life. That we're watching, mm. you know, the kind of traps that the Roadrunner, the Coyote would use against each other, or the the Coyote try to use against the Roadrunner. Well, when you think about it, Die Hard was basically Bugs Bunny against terrorists instead of uh, you know, or Roadrunner <laughs> against terrorists instead of Wiley Coyote. I mean. <laughs> I never so, saw the Roadrunner run across glass. <laughs> Wait, so John McClane in the in your analogy is the Roadrunner? Meet me, Pons. Meet me. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just think for me, a- watching this, it reminded me of sort of a live action cartoon. It was watching Kevin McAllister, who of course as a kid probably only saw these kinds of harebrained, you know, Acme presents traps on cartoons. And so he's just putting 
real world versions of these into effect. And so right. as an adult watching it, I see that my kids watching it thought it's just like Bugs Bunny or just like Roadrunner or whatever. So um, I, yeah, I just thought that was yeah. kind of cool to watch this happen. Yeah, you're right. Especially the um, the light fi- the uh, the light cord pulling down a uh, an iron. The iron that feels very yeah. like yeah, the coyote would pull a string and then an anvil would just hit him right on the head. Right, and it would be hot. Yeah, yeah. it would be hot. And the paint cans. I mean, that's like that. Throwing them. Yeah. Them. Well, and because we know Kevin has learned what it's when you know how to live alone, how to live on your own. He has learned that from television. Mm. Just that's how so, I learned it. That makes sense. He certainly, yeah. I mean, he's certainly not learning it from any of the a-hole adults that are around. <laughs> the ones that left him home alone. Like, he's he's better off. T- television's going to be a better parent to him than those parents are. <laughs> I'll tell you that. It is to mine, for sure. Man, how, I want to know where he got yeah. that blowtorch. I, where did he get the blowtorch? Oh, my, when I was growing up, my dad had a blowtorch, and he kept it on the front porch, and that's how he would light the um smoker grill but he has an electric grill starter for that which he hangs on the door right there's okay but your dad is wrong liz i'm not disagreeing with you at all (laughs) wait wait what about this i have all right what about maybe it could be as like a as like a uh, emergency ice melter is that possible maybe whatever they were doing with the tar required a blowtorch for some whatever reason it is that they have tar in their basement is why. They but have then a you got to think. Do you think Kevin McAllister's dad is really going to do like tar and blowtorch related roof repair himself, yeah. or he's just going to hire somebody? Hire, He's got a bronze statue in front of he, his door. He seems like the kind of guy yeah. who maybe is like gets all gung ho about a project and goes and like buys all the stuff, and he's like, "Yeah, I can totally." And then do and this. never finishes. He does have shingles and really long nails, and then he makes it worse. Although if he and, uses those really long nails for the shingles, you know why his roof leaks. Yeah. Well. Yes. Now, I will tell you, I mean, this, this, there this, are some people, and I've got a friend of mine who's just like this. He has every tool known to man because that's the cool thing. But at the same time, he doesn't know how to do anything. So he always hires people to do the job. It's, it's a really weird thing. He buys I got my own tools. tools. Just come over and do it. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, he's like, look at my, I, like he can impress people by look at all the tools he's got. He's got like every one. He's like a mini Home Depot but can't do anything for himself is always bringing people over to do the jobs for him. Uh, I mean, I bought a chainsaw once cause I was like, mm, this is on sale. I might need a chainsaw. And then I needed some shrubs cut out that I was allergic to. And I was like, well, I can't do this. And you so I, you had a my niece's boyfriend, <laughs> I was like, Hey, you want to play with a chainsaw? <laughs> <laughs> it worked. Yeah, but this the the torch is like something out of the eighteen hundreds. <laughs> it does look it's like an archaic. antique torch. Well, it's Chicago. There's a lot of things that are old school like that. Fair. I guess. <laughs> I guess. Um, Talking about but, influences, um, so Liz and I share Audible accounts because we like to listen to each other's books. And mm-hmm. she has this book in in, in hers that's uh, basically Home Alone, but in space. Oh, yeah. It is like this kid who gets – instead of being in uh, hibernation, he gets uh, his, he gets woken up in the middle of the flight and is – like the Passengers movie. But he's got to fend off pirates. Oh, what's it called? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Z- zero? zero G. Zero G, yeah. And it's, it, you like the book. It's good. It's yeah, not I mean, bad. It's, a, it's written it's for kids. It's a kid's book. Yeah. Okay. It, it, it's Home Alone meets Passengers. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Just without the weird sex parts. 
Yeah, there's no sex. Uh, there are no weird sex parts in Home Alone. Yeah. Or in Zero G. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Maybe uh, old man Marley gets up into weird stuff with those shovels. And, and there are some deleted scenes. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah if you uh, have kids that like space and Home Alone, Zero G. I recommend that book. <laughs> there you go. All right. And so now, now Kevin is eating his meal or trying to eat his meal. Oh, this is the saddest part of the movie. Yeah, oh, so that big old plate of macaroni and cheese that gets abandoned to congeal. <sighs> so it's it. We see on the microwave it is eight fifty seven, and Kevin has yeah prepared his mac and cheese, but we know company is expected at nine. I don't think why does company management facilitates the freezing of ice, the placing of individual micro machines, all this sort of stuff. I get we everyone loves a montage. Everyone loves a montage, but I think he should have at least done like. 7.30 to 9 versus 8 to 9. Well, I think you're right. I think that's the lesson here. If he has I just think earlier, this is teaching kids poor time management. No, he doesn't get to eat his macaroni and cheese. That's the lesson. If he had started sooner, he would have actually been able to eat that meal. Liz, do you feel you could defend your home on an empty stomach? If oh. I had to, yeah. It's your but, house. You have to defend it. Exactly. Exactly. I may be more able oh, to defend. Because I'll be because hangry. I'll be, oh. I'll be hangry, exactly. You know what's worse? Ooh. Yeah, you this don't want to come at the me dining then. Room. Yes. And it's That's where the covered. feathers happen. Yeah. So if he comes back to this later, it's just feathers all over <laughs> the <laughs> cheese. Like just feathers and like glue that like that that uh that Harry threw off. So yeah, it's the, the, yeah, even if it's cold, it's also just got actual like silicone caulk and uh and, and, and feathers in it. So yeah, it's it's waste it's a sadly wasted meal. Well, I mean, it was microwave macaroni and cheese, but I mean, it's still macaroni and cheese. It didn't look terrible. No, it actually looks pretty good. And I like, I like that Kevin's lit some candles. You know, he's he's and he puts his he's milk in himself. a goblet. Yeah. Treat yourself. Well, I mean, this is this is Christmas Eve here, so he's thinking. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's Christmas he's Eve got dinner. the cloth napkin. He's got the the milk wine glass. <laughs> that's that's another. Th- I, I, okay, I have an issue with Christmas movies and timelines apparently because this is Christmas Eve. And that mm-hmm. church only has like five people in a choir rehearsal in it. Well, because it's rehearsal. Yeah, but is there like a Christmas Eve service? Yeah, it's a midnight. Yeah, if it's, yeah. it's, a, if it's a Catholic church, church it's midnight yeah. mass. Well, I'm yeah. not Catholic, but it's a Catholic church, so that he's because Christmas doesn't happen till the 25th, so that's midnight. Yeah, they've got it's, three hours. I don't know. So. I feel like most churches are bumping enough to where they've got something going on every night that's like not more than like five people in a choir loft. It does seem odd that at eight o'clock they're having a rehearsal. Although maybe so, like if there's for people that can't stay up to midnight, is there a non midnight mass? Yeah, because that's what we used to go to. Because I'm actually Catholic. Well, a lot of times you'll have what's called the family mass, where they'll kind of yeah. reenact the Christmas pageant. They have all the kids, the like the younger members of the of the of the congregation, will reenact the story dressed up as shepherds and animals and things. And that usually is a late afternoon, early evening, like five six o'clock to. Like all the little kids get home and get ready for bed, but then the then there's nothing going. I'm sure there's choir practice and other things going on in the church, but then the service isn't until midnight. Okay, so then this fits perfectly yeah. right in between. That. Absolutely. So the early service is over. Midnight mass has not yet begun. So yeah, it's there's a few hangers on and you know various serial killers that can't you know that, <laughs> they, that, that aren't have welcome to sneak at midnight to mass. Their, that are, they're not welcome at midnight mass, so they have to sneak in to see their grandchildren. And yeah, well, they don't reserve. They don't observe our vanilla holidays anyway, unless there's like a a cannibal holiday or a, a major mom into a lampshade holiday. 
<laughs> Isn't every day make your mom do a lampshade? <laughs> if you try hard enough and you know enough mom. If you try hard yeah, enough. if you have enough lamp- lamps, then you shade. <laughs> or depending on how big the mom is, you can get a couple out of one. So the clock hits nine o'clock. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you've got to get rid of everything. Yeah, suddenly it shows. And like, yeah. I mean, the, the, there are a lot of good things about this movie. The fact that like these criminals are so timely. I think is maybe not realistic. But what I don't understand is he's got a whole house full of tra- death traps, but he blows the candles. Out. I was about to point that out. He's like, he's got the, the front door is heating to the point where it's going to burn human flesh. He's got a blowtorch yeah. rigged up, not like glass, all the sorts of stuff. But he's like, let's let's observe some fire safety on these candles. Yeah, ex- exactly. We don't want to burn the house down. Let's save that for the well, real yeah. death traps. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, because I mean, if those things are lit when the when the uh, the feathers start to fly. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Maybe that's what he's doing. Yeah. Because as, as – uh, was it Dave who noted that the, that's the, the feather thing happens in the dining yeah. room? I did. Yeah. I, I went to the kitchen. I made yeah. myself some chocolate milk. I'm starting. Yeah. Give me a second. <laughs> oh, no. I want chocolate milk. Sorry. Did you make enough for everybody, Dave? <laughs> Hell no. Nah. Oh, well, I'm going to be quiet for a minute or two now because I'm going to go make some chocolate milk. Fucking <laughs> chocolate milk online, eh? All right. So I have a a question. So so the clock strikes nine. Harry and Marv arrive. They're going around the back door, the kitchen door, where Kevin has propped up Buzz's BB gun. He runs in, grab the gun. He reminds himself to not be afraid. And there's there's a string along the, the drawers of the cabinets on the left. Yeah. Like what do we ever see? Like what trap does that go to? What does that string do? Because it's not the we can see we can't I, in the in the scene or when they show Kevin picking up the gun we can't see the blowtorch but we see there's something on the right yeah with that's that the, cabinet. that's the string that triggers the blowtorch because it happens to, to Harry and he's in the back and then Marv's in the front yeah so that's hanging on the cabinet to the right of the door. What's that string on the left that kind of runs in front of the microwave and it goes to the door handle? Maybe that's was there like that's the feathers. That's the feathers and fan. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's it could like, just be I that dressing. Know. It's like yeah, okay. it's like tied to the hinge, which won't really it, the hinge will turn, but it won't do anything. So yeah, you're right. Yeah, I just is it? Do we think maybe Kevin has like are there backup traps that never get sprung? Like, how deep does his planning go? Does he have contingencies? I mean, there should be redundancies just yeah, in case. There should be. Wait. Anyways. So, no, Harry goes around front, and so that's where the blowtorch is. So, yeah, this could just be set dressing. Yeah. Well, no, because he goes he goes around front, he slips on the ice, he burns his hand, and then he comes to the back. Oh. He go, then he goes back to the kitchen door, and that's where the blowtorch yeah, is. Yeah, Harry goes right. back door, front door, back door. That's not yeah. sanitary. <laughs> while, oh my God. while Marv goes Marv goes back door so wrong. back door basement and then window back door basement window yes yeah which you'd think well I would think and I did think he should start being suspicious like okay the kids set up booby traps like he made sure you couldn't get in through the door he you know he he made it hard to get into the basement and then once you got into the basement he made it so you couldn't get up the stairs but oh is an open window is just an invitation well, well i think we've established while the wet bandits are somewhat opportunistic they're not intelligent they're good at keeping time but not at making you know assumptions 
So that's what we're, we were just saying. Marv is not well, and we know, we know Harry is the brains of the organization. But even so, I would think he would. And that's not saying know. much. Yeah, right. that's that's. <laughs> well, and it, but it's lucky for Kevin that it's um, the one that started in the basement is the one that went to the window because that wasn't a given. And if a person still had shoes on when they get, went through that window. Uh, smashing those ornaments yeah that's like that's awkward and that's one of those things where you watch this movie and you think as an adult like man if any of this stuff happens out of sequence his plan falls apart that's not Mm -hmm. a great plan Mm -hmm. that's probably a plan made by a (laughs) seven-year-old but thing he is it may be a plan made by a (laughs) (laughs) seven-year-old yeah well i mean and i yeah i have a lot of questions about what marv does so so speaking of like you know the shoes are not so the 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 basement stairs inside are covered with tar. Wait a minute. Are we going to go He's, right past the first attack before they even try the to make it? Oh, we can talk about that. Yeah, the, the BB to the groin. The way the camera angle is set, and you see it getting ever closer as a guy anyway. I kept watching it going, oh, oh, oh. And then when he hits it, oh, <laughs> I'm just like, I'm doing the exact <laughs> same look on my face. I'm like, oh, right in the jumblies. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know how much a, a BB, because, you know, he's got... He's layers. wearing clothes. Yeah, he's, he's got, got Chicago layers on. <laughs> but I, I, I don't know how much that would actually hurt, but I am definitely not volunteering to find out. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, I don't want to know. Um, it's quite see, a small like, object that's .177 caliber moving at about 350 feet per second point blank. I don't care if you're wearing jeans. It's going to smart. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. he he leaned into it when when he said that and the last his last yeah. line he really did lean into the door. <laughs> yeah, his but, face, but, but, when he's leaning over and he's just kneeling, and he's just like, I'm killing <laughs> Oh, their their reactions are great. I mean, that's what makes all these traps work. Yeah, that sells it so hard. Yeah, right, right. I, I, both as an adult and as a kid, my kids would are rolling when they were little, and then we still as a family we just love it. And you're right, it's. If these two guys don't sell the pain of every mm-hmm. single thing they're doing, it's not nearly as funny. And don't ask me why seeing other people in misery is funny, but in this case, it is. I mean, oh, nut, nut shots are always funny. <laughs> like, I mean, they made a killing uh, on uh, was it ABC? Oh, America's Funniest Home Videos. Oh, yeah. yeah. Think about it. I, yeah. I mean, you're watching. You watch Bob Saget Full House, and you watch Bob Saget again on America's Funniest Home Videos. Oh, you're right. That's a good point. I mean, every time I'm scrolling through Facebook and if there's one of those videos that's like cringeworthiest <laughs> things that you'll see today and it's like people like wiping out on their bikes or trying to dive into the pool and slip and you're like, that's funny. People yeah, are getting hurt. I, I think yeah. it's great as long as I don't see bone. Yeah. Mm. I, I see bone. It's too much. I'm like, oh, no. Click away. My favorite's the people sliding down their driveways in the ice. Yeah. Um, or like watching like like <laughs> steady cams of like weird car pileups of like the slow ice slides because they're not <laughs> yeah those are like fascinating. Um, yeah, Johnny yeah. Gi- Knoxville. He had a you know him and his guys made a career out of it. I think my favorite is when yeah people fall down, but they'll like somebody will re-edit the footage to make it like it's an action movie or something, or like where's like, <laughs> the, the, the two like the, two, the like, um, like the Mortal Kombat guy constantly kicking him at the last second when they trip and fall. Yes. That one's yeah. I seen stuff like that was good. I like the ones where it's like the the two kids are like uh, they're playing with lightsabers in the driveway, and the one kid falls over. But like they like edit it as if they're on Mustafar, and there's just lava everywhere, and it's like it's as if it's like the duel of fates is about to happen. 
But then just the one kid just falls over because he just Nerd. slips on the hose. Nerd. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we have the BB action, um, both crotch and forehead, which is great. Um, then what was it? <laughs> they split up, which never split up the party. That's that's a terrible idea. Yeah, it's like these guys have never seen a horror film. Yeah, I'm gonna be all by myself. Do you think that 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 Harry is upset that he will forever have Marv's initial branded onto his hand? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, so that's that's a whole thing. Um, aside from, so there's a little bit of a um, continuity thing. If you if you look at the orientation of the M on the doorknob versus the way, you know, the way Harry puts his hand on the doorknob versus the way the M is burnt into his hand, that doesn't line up. But beside that, who has monogrammed doorknobs? Rich Chicago white people. I've, I've never seen that outside of this film. Like this guy, like, is that the most gangster thing? Like if there was any doubt. Yes, exactly. Most people have keyholes in their doorknobs. So this is weird. If there was any doubt as to Kevin's father's profession, like he is definitely gangster. Absolutely. Too much money. No legitimate businessman has a monogram. He's got so much money. He needs to spend it on this. It's like how people know you're rich in the Richie Richie neighborhood. You got to set yourself apart somehow. You have an M. Maybe the M. I I definitely just assumed it was the brand. It was because of the brand of the doorknob. <laughs> so, um, I know we're on the doorknob, and I want to continue that in a second. But I do like the minute these guys do split up, they both fall for the same next level of attack. They both fall for either sliding down icy stairs, going down into the cellar door, or in the case of you know uh, our first guy, he does this like fall completely flat mm-hmm. on his back on the sidewalk and they're both just writhing in pain from having landed on concrete thanks to icy steps yeah yeah and if you if you live in some place in you know where the climate gets cold and where there's snow icy steps are dangerous it's real oh my god yeah, yeah you think real. they would know better they live in chicago right oh but normally you know whether or not you've gotten icy rain or you know like a freezing rain or something usually uh because i used to live in detroit they pretty much treat it all the time. So you've always got ice. I mean, you always got like slushy st- uh, roads and stuff because it's always salted. But unless you've gotten a rain or something, you don't normally expect ice unless you're getting freezing rain first. Right. And they've been here before. They they tried to go in the basement door earlier when Kevin turned on all the lights. And Harry's been through the front door when he was dressed up as a cop. So and I don't think it snowed since then. Yeah, it doesn't look so like So they it. didn't expect it. but Oh, they so, did not expect it. Yeah. They did obviously did not expect it, but yeah. Do you so have they a both, solid they, time frame of how long this takes place? Like, what's what's the what, how long has the family been gone? So, is it like a Groundhog left, Day thing where it's been actually like a hundred years type thing? No, it's it's been what three days. So we yeah. the movie starts. I think it's Tuesday night that that family dinner with the pizza when Kevin doesn't get his plain cheese. That's Tuesday night. They fly out Wednesday morning. It is now Thursday night. Christmas is Friday. I think it's it's been basically two days that Kevin has been home alone. Tuesday and went or sorry Wednesday and Thursday, and it's now Thursday night. Right. What uh, when so Marv yeah, yeah. gets in on the on the ground floor? I love how he's trying to like open the door with the uh, the uh, crowbar, and he's trying to like get into the frame, and then he yeah. he didn't even think to try to actually the doorknob. And then when he just walks in, he's like, oh, that was, that was yeah. easier than I thought. He is a thief. I think for thieves, everything's an obstacle in that regard. So he's not going like, 
maybe this door's unlocked. He's like, I got to break in. Doesn't even try it. <laughs> right? When you have a crowbar, everything looks like a locked door. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. wisdom. He gets in. I mean, it's, it's, it go. is pretty funny, though. I mean, they really are. It, it's hilarious watching this for some reason. Even if you thought it was locked, you've got a, a half window in the top part of the door. Why not just crack a pane and reach in and unlock the door? Because they're the wet so, bandits. Have not you ever the tried to bandits. wedge a door open with a crowbar? Ooh, breaking bandits. That could be a show. Well, maybe he thought it was like my back door at my house where it's like it's locked and it it looks closed. But like if I just lean on it right, it'll open. So I don't need to break the glass yet because if I just apply enough pressure, so it'll probably just pop out right there to all you weirdos who want to. Oh, yeah. Visit. Come steal all the stuff I don't have worth stealing. Yeah. <laughs> it's got a deadbolt. I mean, he's got the door handle. Mm-hmm, which would yeah, have so one lock, but he's got the deadbolt. So yeah. I would think you'd crack Although the you glass. See, I think I, I don't think breaking the glass would have worked because it looks like it looks like this the the deadbolt on that basement door is the kind that it's keyed on both ends. I don't see a latch on the inside. I mean, we don't get close up, but am I wrong? I think he would need a key either way. Can't tell when the door opens. Oh. I thought it looked like there was like a the little turning handle. There is. You know what? Yeah, there is a bit of it as as he as it swings open. There's a bit of a shadow. So there is. Yeah. So he could have just assuming that there isn't a, a second lock on the doorknob itself. If it's just that deadbolt, yeah, he would have been able to Even reach. Still, you can reach down from that where the window pane is. But again, yeah. these guys aren't smart. <laughs> So if they again, had decided to switch up, if he'd said, you go around front, I'm going to try here again. Do you think that Harry would have fallen for the same tricks that Marv has done? That's a great question. Yeah. I don't think so. I think it goes back no. to what you said a few minutes ago. If it doesn't happen in the exact right order and it's not just the right order to the right people at the right order, it wouldn't work. Yeah. Kevin's a master psychologist. Mm-hmm. He figured out who was going to try to do what. He knew the yeah. leader was going to try to barge in the front door. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's really gotten into their brains. <laughs> when uh, getting back to the now where, where, where he catches his hand on the doorknob, I swear he doesn't even pay attention to the fact that it's glowing as red as, as Rudolph's nose. <laughs> and that thing would be giving off some heat. And given the fact that it's icy outside, you'd think there would be some steam involved of some sort of like, yeah. like di- noticeable differentiation. We have one conference room at work and the doorknob is always hot and I have no idea why. There's a fire on the other side. There's, but there never is. Oh, there's a ghost fire. It's invisible. <laughs> ghost fire. It's invisible, Kevin McAllister. Oh man, oh, is this scene where when he bur- burns his hand and then he jumps down and puts it out in the snow? Is that an allusion to Raiders? Yeah, and, I mean That's it's got a solid Raiders yeah. vibe. When I saw it earlier, I'm like thinking totally tote, you know that. But I feel like <laughs> totally if you tote. do burn your hand tote, on something tote. like that <laughs> and it's snowy outside. That's going to be your response, like running out to the snow and then like putting it in the snow. I can't imagine there'd be a different. You see, you see like, like, and there's like steam coming off of the bird from his hand. (laughs) It's just awesome. And now he's got a map to the house. (laughs) Yep. And now he knows to, but he doesn't know to take back one Kadam. He's like one Kadam too short. (laughs) Yeah. His medallion only has one one step back. His his doorknob only has one end, one knob or whatever. He's rubbing in the wrong place. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, we all thought about Toad. They've broken into the wrong home. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Now I wonder what, so what, what Marv is doing here, like he's stepping up. So I would think the, uh, the intelligent criminal 
Like when the first shoe got stuck to the stairs, stop. And as we follow the the camera pans up the stairs, we see both his shoes are stuck. Huh? Then both his socks. <laughs> Red won't socks. His feet just gets like okay. You took off your shoes. You took off your socks. Are you just losing layers of skin on your feet now? <laughs> well, the very next one is the nail. So yeah, yeah. one more step on that. Then the next step after that is yeah. Ooh, Kevin was that. smart enough to figure out that on the fifth step, if he left nothing there, he would continue right. to go one step for, for forward. But also, <laughs> Kevin had to remember to put it on one side or the other so that it would be in line with his foot, not in the middle. Right. Well, so he and he had to know that <laughs> Marv would like the first step. He would start with his left. Like he must be left footed because he started the stairs with his left foot. To count up five and to know which side to put the nail Kevin's on. Kevin's a genius, guys. We just got to recognize that. He's been stalking. Unless this is Groundhog Day and this is like the thousandth yeah. iteration of these traps this that he's the laid out. Perfect he's finally version. figured it out. <laughs> this is his perfect day. Um, or, they, or he's a time traveler. An old man, Marley. Like as he's mm. in the church, Marley like slip, slipped a plan into his, into his coat pocket. He's going to start with the left. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, in the like military, you always start with your left. Everybody just, when you start marching or anything, you always start with your left foot. It just yeah, baffles left. me that Marv isn't like, you know what? These stairs are covered in tar. Something's weird. Maybe I should try to not go up the stairs. <laughs> but he also <laughs> apparently needs to turn on a light in a basement where there's, you don't seem to need any light. Just go up he the stairs. He tried that, remember? And they brought the iron down. You no, know I'm saying right. he felt like he needed to turn it on when it wasn't necessary. Marvis. I mean, we can see him fine um, without the lights. I don't. I've. I'd never like being in a basement without every possible light on. I get it. Oh yes, I'm with yeah. you. Marv. Basements are evil, or at least that's where the evil lives in the house. I mean, it comes from the basement. <laughs> yeah, I like, bought a yeah. house without a basement for a reason. <laughs> but you have a really tight crawl space. Yeah, I've never been in it, so it's fine. <laughs> let's not, George. Let's not get personal. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. I mean, I wasn't going to let him have it. I was still leaving it about my literal home's construction. <laughs> I didn't take the bait. You didn't take the bait. Yeah. yeah. So when I said earlier that this mo- this moment has some of the cringiest bits, this these this is this is it. All of it. This is it. The, the flames is- and the concrete and the falling and the nails, and then oh. the blowtorch where his head looks like a soccer ball. Oh yeah, the, ooh, that one. Yeah. Oh, Again, because I've I have I've stepped on a nail. Um, that went through my foot Ooh. and it is very painful and it is, I don't know, even someone trying to break into my house. I don't know if I would do that to them. I might just say, you know what? It's only stuff. <laughs> just just it means that just much to you. I guess you can have it, but uh, you know, it's not, it's not worth getting a nail through the foot for. I got to tell you every single time. And I think, how did the actor, you know, push his foot just enough that it looks like that nail is going to start to pop through. I mean, I'm just like, Oh, 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 he's stepping <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it could have just, just been a retractable nail. Yeah, I was gonna say it's one of those trick nails, like the swords they have that <laughs> when you stab them, some you stab somebody with one on stage, the blade retracts. I remember uh, stepping on my belt buckle; it, the pin was up back in the gym class. <laughs> yeah, that'll do it. That'll do it. <laughs> oh God! Thank, thank God! Like you it's... know, I, I, I had enough, like you know, foot. I don't know foot muscle there. Like I wasn't bleeding. I, I, I mean, I, I think I've shared this before on a podcast. I stepped on a needle when I was a kid and it broke off on my foot. Oh, so, oh. Yeah. And yeah. it's still there to this day. No, they actually went and cut it out like oh. three days later when they couldn't get it out. And uh, I have a scar on my right foot. 
in the shape of an S. Oh, wow. But it's, it's weird. The needle went on the bottom of my foot, and they had to, and, and by the time they got around and to cutting it out, it had traveled to the top of my foot. <gasps> it was like kind of lodged in the corner, and uh, they just went and slipped, slipped it out. Wow. So would would it have just come out on its own if they just left? No, it, it was in there. To travel, it was or? in there. Oh. It was in there. Ooh. Because oh. the only hole it made was on the bottom. There, there wasn't going to like slide out the other way. <laughs> it was going to push itself out the top. <laughs> it wasn't it was going to like my food was going to put a poop it out or anything like that. <laughs> it wasn't under power. <laughs> That's what I was wondering. Yeah. So this in these these the sequence of events. So we were talking about Bugs Bunny and Roadrunner and, and, and so on earlier. As we go on, this is becoming less and less realistic and more and more cartoonish. Yeah, because Harry goes through the dining room door. If he pushes the door, the plan's screwed. He pulls it open, yeah. which is weird because typically if you're in a kitchen door, you have that sort of like push thing. Your typical inclination is to push, not pull. Wait, what? Oh, the dining room door. Yeah, because yeah. It's, a, it's a swinging door. It's back and forth. Does it swing? Yeah, it's a two-way door. We can tell by the hinges. Oh, yeah. You can see the – yeah, the – um. The hinge goes below, and then it's swinging after he goes through. Yeah. So, right. so if he, he had pushed it, it would have taken all the gunk down, and he would have just got yeah. feathers blown at him. If he had pushed it, that would have triggered the fan, and it would have just blown would have just blown the feathers against the door. Yeah. No, he, the fan's fine. triggered when he walks through and kicks the rope. So yeah, but if he had pushed the door, wouldn't the door have hit the rope? Mm, I don't know if it would have, It was pretty far in. Is it? Okay. I think honestly, now that I think about it, I that that door is weird. Now that like we've we've like broke it down, it's weird to have like a dining room uh, two way door that's solid going to like the kitchen. Oh, not in the nineties. Yeah, I, no. My grandmother had one like that in her house in Georgia, I, like back oh, in the fifties. Wow. Yeah my my house when I was growing up, we had there was a you could completely seal off the dining room. There were pocket doors going to the living room mm-hmm. and the parlor i don't know entryway and then there was there were was a swinging door that went to the the butler's pantry that was attached to the kitchen like you do uh-huh <laughs> like you do your your butler's pantry yeah, yeah. Sorry, Liz, i didn't have a butler's pantry my well you know not everyone can yeah we don't. No. that's where we kept our butler <laughs> he was buried there. You had to live there. <laughs> yes, Madam Whitaker. Yeah. The the salted mummy of the deceased. <laughs> yeah, we couldn't afford a living butler, so we we buried one there. So it was still on its purpose. Good good day, Angstrom. <laughs> Every time you go into the kitchen. <laughs> I got a question back for but, when Marv, after he realizes there's nails on the steps. At that mm-hmm. point, why wouldn't he just be more attentive and still finish his way back up the steps? He chooses to it's, leave and come back what? around outside. I Listen, I know he has not made the most <laughs> germane, wise, whatever decisions, but I'm pretty sure if you stuck a nail about an inch and a half into my foot, that would no longer be an option. I would take my ball and go home. I would just be like, you know what? There can't be anything good enough in this house. Yeah, you're like, I'm sorry. Tell sorry, sorry Marv. Sorry, Harry. Wow. You're on your own. Harry figures out, like, he went in the, 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 the back door too slow, gets his head burned the first time. Second time, he just kicks the door, and the thing goes flying. He realizes, that's the way I need to do it. I need to come charging in. So he doesn't give up on the way to get in, whereas Marv gives up trying to come up climb up the steps. Right. Well, you also see when uh, when Harry goes back after getting burned by the front door, when he goes back around, he, like, lightly taps the kitchen mm-hmm. knob a few times. Yeah. To make sure it doesn't happen like, again. And he licks his hands Yeah, first. so Harry's learning – 
Yeah, Harry's learning. Marv does does not learn. No, Wait, and as a result, he gets he gets our solid diehard homage in a second. Sean, <laughs> you want to talk cringeworthy? And I know we sort of there's so much to talk about when yeah. Marv cools his head off. Is anybody else like feeling like Ugh, when they realize part Ugh. of the actual knit cap has been like grafted oh. to his melted skull? Oh, and not yeah. even that. The fact that he sticks his head in like the driveway snow, which is filled with like salt and dirt and stuff. Oh, God. No. So, but I mean, there's so bits of the actual knit cap yeah, stuck to his head. Cap that's yeah, it's like melded oh, onto his scalp, it's like stuck and... into like the melted flesh. <laughs> I can yeah, I can almost smell the the flesh and and melted it's polyester. It's very distressing. <laughs> it's gross. Like, yeah. like hairy course, plastic yeah. bacon. Yeah. All right, I found I found a really bad <laughs> continuity error. Really bad. It's bothering. All right, is get us the, away from the, the melted skull cap, please. <laughs> is this the dining room table? Yep, you found it. It's yeah, the the dish of mac and cheese. God damn it! I'm angry now. <laughs> How did they let that slip? Uh, yeah. So if you look on the table, so when when Harry's getting the face full of feathers, if you look to the left, you see you know you see the candle, you see the the wine goblet full of milk, and now the plate is one of those. What was just one plate full of mac cuisine. and cheese is now it's now got like three sections to it. It's a goddamn kid cuisine with like a corn dog, mac and cheese, and I don't know. I, yeah. I, I can't tell. And the, there's a, it's an orange thing. I don't know. Yeah, we could, I mean, we could probably go back to the shopping scene and see what other oh, what other frozen dinners Kevin purchased. He, but yeah, so the mac and cheese has been replaced with something else. He was getting ready. Is there? Did the plate direction just change? I'm trying to get to the spot. 14 minutes, 42 seconds on the clock. Just Uh as the feathers are flying, if you look to the far bottom corner of the screen, you can see it's a completely different meal. Yeah, because it was Um, one big plate of mac and cheese. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Unless he did, he does get to eat the mac and cheese because he took that with him. And then this is a decoy meal to make the burglars (laughs) think maybe he's still in the dining room. Oh, maybe it's got like Visine in it. It's one of the contingencies. He's like, okay, so maybe, like, what if, yeah, what if the guy, you know, sees the rope, doesn't get hit by the feathers, but, but then hungry. sits down to eat? No, have a nosh. Yeah, it's probably like it's full. Yeah, there, there's visine in the milk, and there's like yeah, chili there's peppers all in the. In the uh, <laughs> it's full of glass. Oh my God. Yeah, it's full of broken glass like and razor nails, blades so. are in the chicken. Mm, it's yeah, yeah Christmas themed with ornaments crushed up in it. It's yeah. all the Halloween candy with all the razor blades and stuff. Mm, stuck in it. Yeah, right. yeah, razor blades and <laughs> pins and stuff. Yeah. Like the rest of Buzz is like M80s into the glass oh cabinet God. here. and just turned into one big shrapnel, like clay <laughs> Just an entire uh, entire section of just glassware exploding. Yeah, you have to change his Kevin- name to Kevin McHellraiser. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Kevin just pretty much oh. just turns into his character from The Good Son. Like, just he, he's gotten he's gotten a taste for for blood, and and he likes it. Blood, blood. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Oh, so now here he is going through the open window to crush all the ornaments. You know, he looks down for just a split second. The actor does, but then he doesn't acknowledge there's that the floor is not you know clear. Well, you know, you know not all of us are very detail oriented. <laughs> <laughs> and you're telling me, so like he didn't? Did he even try? Because obviously, like, so the tar was sticky. We saw like the the shoes there and everything. But like, 
He couldn't get a shoe. Like, and there was nothing else in the basement that Marv could have put on his feet. To go walk through the snow in? Yeah, to go walk through the snow. He's going to get frostbite. I don't know. Yeah. yeah don't nobody know, stores tennis. their boots down there for shoveling and things. Yeah. Has he not seen Die oh, Hard? Okay, well, I think there's another continuity error here. Uh, yeah. You know how when he's peeking, he sees through the window, the Christmas tree is like all against the wall? Yeah. Well, when he comes through the window, oh. it's like a good solid it's further into the room. Like he wouldn't have been able to see it from the angle. He was looking at it coming around the house like that. Yeah. Kevin must've moved the tree at some point, I guess to funnel. Yeah. He knew someone was going to come in through the window and he wanted to funnel them a particular way. Mm, like know. they do in the grocery store. Yeah. yeah I yes. think he moved it, but it is still funny though. It's still funny when they, they oh, when yeah, that's just funny. Well then, yeah. So, I mean, the, these are a, a couple great lines. Like, shoot the uh, ornaments. <laughs> Shoot the <laughs> but I like the back and forth. Why did you take your shoes off? Why are you dressed like a chicken? Yeah. <laughs> well, and even when he enters through the window, it's not like he puts one foot in and then the other foot. Yeah. He decides, I'm going all in. Both just feet as hard as I can yeah, possibly. Foot pounding it. Bam. Yeah. Just like the bathtub. <laughs> Because everything like, else has been normal in this house. <laughs> and also, like, his feet are covered in tar, so all the glass is going to stick to it. Yeah. <laughs> well, and then once he, once he like, hits the ornaments, cuts his foot, then he's doing, like, baby steps. Like, try to leap over the ornaments and the bulbs and everything. Like, try to get onto the carpet. Like, you see, like, it's like, the, so the coming in through the window, like, the first step, okay, he's going to get hit. It seemed like there are additional steps that he could have avoided. Well, obviously, we know that Mar that Marv is a shortcut kind of guy because well, yeah. the director is sitting there and yeah. saying, "Please hit each of these." <laughs> it's it's yeah, I guess it's it's for the movie. <laughs> <laughs> like you said, I could just imagine John Hughes going, "Okay, try to break as many as you can as you walk away from this shot." Yeah. And then at what point? Hey, John Hughes. I'm sorry. Uh, Chris Columbus. Uh, well, Chris Chris Columbus. Yeah, John Hughes wrote. It was Chris Columbus who uh, who directed. I mean, I guess at this point now it's like now it's personal. Now it's not even about. It's not about the the profit, the gain from what we can steal from this house. It's about it's getting, about getting kid. that kid. I can't imagine what they would be able to steal enough of. I mean, jewelry. I guess. Electronics back in this day are so big they wouldn't really like fetch a big price. I yeah. think they'd be way more problematic to get ball. rid of. Yeah. Yeah. Well, before they're imagining they're they're talking about like negotiable securities. I don't know. Yeah. I I, I don't know if they expect there's gonna be bearer bonds somewhere in this house. Like this really is this really is diehard with a kid. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> they're gonna be sitting on a bed sipping a drink, collecting twenty percent. um and then we get to uh the micro machines finally and i don't know if it's because kids love pratfalls every (laughs) time i have ever been watching this movie if there's any youngster around they crack up nonstop to watch this two guys go flying in the air and landing on their butts they it's just so funny it's so well choreographed though yeah Yeah. it's like a figure skating maneuver it's funny (laughs) <laughs> it gets although so we never there. get a payoff for the one with a really pokey rocket yeah ah yeah. that's true you know what it was it like it stuck into marv's foot and gave it <laughs> an extra slippage it did its duty without needing glory and now mm-hmm. kevin's even becoming cocky uh, he's getting full yeah, of himself yeah hey well everything's working out because is just on this micro machine thing so 
One of the crooks had to be funneled in through the living room window. One of them had to go in through the kitchen, through the dining room, so that they arrive at this entryway from different sides. So they can do this synchronized platform where they're, 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 they're falling and, you know, they're coming from opposite directions and they both slip and fall. Um, I can't blame, you know, at this point, I can't blame Kevin for getting a little cocky because everything is, everything's going just as he foretold. Kevin is a master tactician. I personally, I think I'd be really nervous at this point because he's throwing out some A-game, like stuff that would just put other people on the sidelines. They're still coming. Mm -hmm. That's true. He's got to be running out of tricks. And and that's the thing is like after this, after the paint cans, it really does sort of like, there's not a lot going on as far as like his, his house of horrors anymore. Well, isn't the whole point to get them kind of going through the whole house and then he gets them outside and then he calls the police? But that's the thing. Like, if he does, what, what's, are they going to, how are they going to get him? Yeah, I feel like maybe they should have, he should have called the police earlier. Yeah. And this is sort of like the way to keep them distracted. And then the police show up and then they're hurt and they can't run away and and that sort of thing. His plan, again, he's seven year old, not that great. But that's like the well, first it, thing they teach you is like call the police, call nine one one. Oh, now <laughs> because of this movie. <laughs> oh, all right. I guess I, you know, I benefited from I benefited from Home Alone. I, that's how I got to learn that. Well, this is an, uh, right. a Sean question because I don't know research wise for this. Did you happen to find out who the stunt people were that that did Marv and Harry because they earned their paycheck in this? These are all really good practical uh, stunts. They were both done by Tom Cruise. <laughs> i mean seriously if you watch from the falling over their heads hitting their heads on concrete yeah. doing all the stuff they're doing it's fantastic they they do mention in the commentary and i think in one of the um making gloves they did get like tons of jobs after this uh the the person the people that, that is a blessing and a curse <laughs> well if you're a stuntman for a so, living you know you fell downstairs real good in that home alone movie we're gonna throw you down a 30 floor stairs right now okay how's that good here's a check like, oh. Yeah, so the, the, the stunt double for uh, – the guy who's credited as the double for Joe Pesci uh, is Troy Brown, and he's got 147 credits on IMDb under stunts. And no cartilage. Which is a fair amount, although <laughs> this no is, working it's, it's kind of – Yeah, it sounds like a lot, although – if you look up, there's it's it's a pretty small community. There's a lot of there's a few there's a small number of stunt people that have a ton of credits that have just done everything. Although the guy uh, Leon Delaney was the stunt double for Daniel Stern, and he's only got thirty six credits, so he's he not died. quite as much. But <laughs> yeah, he's got thirty six credits, and incidentally, this is the Ooh. last one. In memoriam. Yes. In memoriam. R.I.P. <laughs> um, well, you know, this but yeah, is so that time some... where they're not being, you know, this isn't like the MCU where we can digitally make anybody do any kind of stunt. I mean, these were real live, you know, yeah. stunt work. So I, I got to imagine it's yeah, getting it's a lot easier. Of practical effects. Um, to... Yeah. And even there was, so there was a um, uh, Macaulay Culkin gets a stunt double. And we'll see uh, at the, towards the end of, uh, um, is it today when he, when he goes out the window? Or no, I no, think no, that's our next yet. episode. When he, when he, when he actually goes through. When he slides down the rope that we talked about earlier, um, that's a stunt double. Yeah, it's the and, same uh, one from when he goes on the sled. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, this, the sledding out the door earlier. Um, what was this guy born? He was like a full-grown man. I don't know his, his exact age, but it's like, yeah, a full-grown man. Well, not a full-grown man, a short-grown man that they had <laughs> doubling for uh, 
Macaulay in there. But yeah, so the the stunts and the, yeah, this is uh yeah, these days it would be all CGI and mm-hmm. and it would look horrible, but this is all all practical. I'm I mean, just how do they do I mean obviously they probably wore padding or something, but when Daniel Stern falls for the, the 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 first paint can and he goes flying off halfway he's halfway up the stairs and he leaps all the way back and lands flat on all those micro mini machines. I mean, they're going to be embedded into his spine. <laughs> well, and you don't see anybody ever read the Chuck Palahniuk book Lullaby? No, I'm not. What's that? No. What's that? No. It's it's obviously it's it's him, so it's weird. But Daniel Stern reminds me of that character because he's got this weird thing where he's doing some sort of like penance because he he had sex with his wife after she died, didn't realize it and was feeling really bad about it. And so he would get little miniatures of like houses and stuff and step on them barefooted and like get the little pieces lodged in his foot. That was like, that was like his thing. It wasn't like a kink. It was like a, this weird, like self-flagellation deal. So you learn from that book that you can get infections from having bits and pieces stuff in your foot and make sure your wife is alive before you have sex with her. Oh, this uh, holiday show sir, took Thanks, a dark turn. Larry, but yeah. the whole stepping on things, every time I see this movie now after reading that book many years ago, always makes me think of that. So maybe that was inspired <laughs> by this. So many questions. Hmm. Oh. <laughs> None of which are appropriate. Chuck is, a, is he's, a, he's on record as being a huge Home Home fan. Okay. Yeah. And now I've got something new, new, new that's cringeworthy oh. about it. That's, that's George <laughs> for you. Not just life with George. <laughs> just wait till it's on our Audible account. Horrifying thing I've ever heard. <laughs> it's not great. It's a very disturbing book. One of his All most right. disturbing. I'm- Kids, gather around. Dad's got a story to tell. <laughs> Here's how I met your mother. <laughs> it was the night before Christmas, and just as she died. Oh, no. Oh, what if that were the actual ending to How I Met Your Mother? No. <laughs> no. Oh God! (laughs) Then it then she wouldn't be their mother, right? It wasn't like they met that way. They were married for a while, and then she died, and he didn't realize it. And going for a little morning time, and there was obviously a bit of miscommunication, and uh, things got weird. You don't feel exactly cold to the touch, but you're not exactly warm. Are you okay? That was, that was a line in the book. It's like, she still felt warm. <laughs> she didn't say no. <laughs> she didn't she, she huh. didn't say no. Shouldn't that have been the first, the first clue that something was wrong? <laughs> Children, this is why we're talking implied consent is not consent. Well, okay. Look, I've been married a long time now. There is no such thing as uh, no, saying no in the middle of the night. Like, hey, get away from me. I'm sleeping. <laughs> So he loses uh, a tweet on the ground. Yeah, so this is you – know, we're, we're up to um, one of the most famous, I think, you know, in terms of famous scenes that really kind of permeated pop culture in the months after the, this film was released. One is the 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 Kevin in the mirror screaming from the mm-hmm. aftershave, uh-huh. and then the other is the, the paint can to the noggin. Yeah, we were you know talking about at what point does Kevin worry that these guys are still up and, and running? This is definitely like if he wasn't worried before that they took these paint cans and they're still they're still ticking. They're uh, they're super villains. Basically, they're like the Huns from Mulan. Base. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and another another great John Hughes setup. I don't know if this is uh, in the original script or what point. This came in, but then the missing tooth, even this late in the movie, 
they're still dropping little things that are going to be yeah. set up for later. That's a good point. And then we, yeah. And we see that, that, that charcoal heater is still hanging on that front, on yeah, the front that's door. Be real good we when still the cops the, finally get there. Yeah. When the, when the cops come or when mom comes home, you know, when the wish is finally granted and the parents come back and they try to open <laughs> the front door after they've broken both their legs, slipping on the ice. Well, you know, they live there. Hopefully they'll just come in through the garage or whatever. When the paramedics. Again, kids are not known for their long term thinking. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the things if you read like any of the various articles about like, you know, how how much damage, how hurt would the burglars actually be? And one of the things they talk about is like basically at this point, the door, the front door would be on fire. Yeah, if it's hot enough that it's go- that it's glowing red and and they're, you know it's burning Harry's hand from the outside, the inside is going to start. Unless yeah. it's a metal like they're, in the, they're in the business, yeah. so they've got uh, steel doors. They're they're in the business, so <laughs> there you go. It's not actual wood. All right. If you want to try to find a, an explanation, those things eventually, if because I've got a, an electric a, one like this for my uh, my charcoal grill outside, they tell you that if you leave it plugged in too long, that you can actually melt. The, the the insides itself if it's uh if it does if you don't unplug it after it you ignite your your wood chips or whatever so it's entirely possible mm-hmm. it just melted itself out or popped a circuit breaker and melted there the door go. off melted the door handle just stink well yeah because we n- we never see kevin actually unplug it so maybe yeah it just melts itself maybe it's like my hair dies. straightener where if i leave it on for over an hour it just turns itself off yeah, it has a safety. <laughs> but this is safety this feature. is the '90s. Nothing was no. safe. No, no, exactly. It, it had to either pop a breaker. There or were just nearly enough itself. lawsuits going around for that. Yeah, not you. were asking about when did Kevin start to feel worried? I think there's a hint of it here when he looks back after the first guy trips, and then the guy leaps and goes to grab his foot and realizes, "Oh crap, I just got caught." Mm-hmm. Now he yeah, he, yeah. he he's lucky because the the tarantula is going to show up. Yeah. Um, and of course, spoiler for the for the next se- or segment you guys do. But there is that momentary look of fear in his eyes when he looks back and realizes, oh, crap, I, I misjudged how far that guy could jump. Yeah. Also, he wasted yeah. time by crawling under the rope when he could have jumped right. over it himself. And, and yeah, like he knows it's there. Right. Yeah. I mean, maybe he's trying to he's worried that he he needs to cross the rope in a way that they mm. don't see it. Or he's like worried that. He might not be able to c- clear it if he jumps it, and then he would be in even worse shape. He's pretty spry. I, I, I get it's like you know. Yeah, I am surprised. He I approve a small bit of prudence. Actually, cinematically, it's cool because we it sets up the idea that there is a tripwire and that he isn't just jumping in the hallway in case we miss it. Diving mm-hmm. underneath it, we realize oh, there's something definitely there. Well, he does like a little pluck of it before he like plucks That's it. That's true. And then, he does. Then he runs yeah. into the room, yeah. finally calls the cops, which he should have done while everyone was being flambéed downstairs. Mm-hmm. True. Well, <laughs> which, which he should have done days ago. <laughs> or at least when, when, when he overheard the plan, when Harry and Marv said, let's come back at nine o'clock tonight. I remember he yeah. still thinks he's a criminal from stealing the toothbrush because old man Marley didn't like clear oh, that up. Right. Oh, he'll do the yeah. time. He'll do the dime. It's fine. Yeah. Now it did so so since you mentioned the the phone call the calling the police George, it took me a couple times to see the movie to pick up that he's he's not calling the cops to his house. Yes. Cuz he yeah, Murphy. Yeah, he's calling to although it's weird so the Murphys live across the street. He says 656 Lincoln Boulevard and we know the McAllisters are 671. 
And I know some streets, like not all the numbers are consecutive, but 656 is across the street from 671. Maybe, like it's, maybe it's on the back. So block. I have a like I have a friend who's the numbers on the court she lives in. It goes mm-hmm. 24, 34, 26 as the ending numbers. So, you know, addresses are weird. Huh, uh, yeah. It doesn't numbers, this, sometimes numbers are weird. It doesn't least, this just prove that he knows what he's doing here. He's calling the police to the house he's going to. So it's like he's everything's going according to his plan. Far, yeah. And I will say that at yes. least that part's right, that if it's across the way, because you always have even number on one side of the street and odd on the other. So, But that he goes out the back door and then goes down the, the treehouse. So I feel like he's going through the backyard to the next block over. Yeah, not yeah. across the street. So he's going back. So instead of going from the 17s, he's going to the 15s, and then that's where he is. Or 656 or whatever, the 600. So that's the next block down. Right. But yeah, he is going to a house across the street. He is going to a house that he knows the burglars have been to before. And he is leading the cops away from his own house because, again, he is still on the run for the whole the, – uh, the, the toothbrush job that he ran earlier. That makes but sense. But yeah, so, so – but this is so far. This is going according to this this warped little boy's plan, right? <laughs> Strangely enough, I would love yeah, to see the, like the an fu- aftermath, like a like a post mortem of this, and the cops are going like, "This kid's a psycho." <laughs> we gotta watch him. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So if yeah, if he doesn't end up as the Joker, maybe he ends up as Rorschach. Mm-hmm. I could see, yeah, some some psychologist just delving into that noggin and, and oh, what must be going on. You're not trapped in this house with me, or I'm not trapped in this house with you. You're trapped in this house with <laughs> me. In this house with me. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. What? And so then this this segment of the movie wraps up with Kevin on the run. He has slightly misjudged, it appears, how far Marv can leap. Marv has got him by the pant leg. Buzz's spider is just out of reach. That tarantula, perhaps if he can reach it, something may happen. But it looks like he's not going to be able to reach it. Right. Yeah. I mean, if he's already done all this damage to these guys, what's stopping him from, like, stomping down on Marv's fingers or something? Like, something really hardcore to, like, get him to let him go. Well, and he does still – he still has the gun. He could just take that and – Bash his fingers? Get him a little bit closer and, like – and like stare stomp him. Well, but a lot of all of the other violence has really been pretty removed. Yeah, he actually inflicted the BB gun shots earlier, but he did that through the dog door. And then the rest of it has been kind of mm-hmm. like, well, they were just dumb enough to walk into this. He hasn't perpetrated any real acts of violence one on one, like face to face. So that's a little I mean, that's probably a little too uh, too real for him. I see what you're saying. Yeah. I think he's just trying to remove himself. Yeah. So, yeah, he is setting a trap that that goes off sort of on its own later is different than pulling the right. trigger yourself. And and when he did yeah. pull the trigger himself, it was through a door. So he didn't actually see them or, you know, he couldn't see all of them. Okay. It was a little bit more abstract. So he's. Violence. Yeah. I mean, he shot Marv definitely point blank in the head like he was like, I'm literally going to head shoot you. <laughs> but yeah so what smile. what this like just what the scene just the next adult that walks into this house what what are they going to think the carnage that kevin has left behind yeah they're going to think he's with, a nut job 
the feathers, the broken glass, the tar, and the the nails pointing up on stairs. And and as and as a parent of of a child roughly this age, I can guarantee you, he is not cleaning that mess up. (laughs) No, no, no. (laughs) As a self of a self my age, I am not. I would not be cleaning all that up. <laughs> but yeah, you've got a couple as parents you have a couple options either you think you've got well first of all you must have some kind of a genius it's just whether he's an evil genius or whatever but to come up with all these yeah. all these traps as a seven-year-old I'd be like, okay in, i gotta give you props for, yeah, for the you get him enrolled in engineering school you're going yeah, that would make me really nervous though around doorknobs <laughs> and that sort of stuff it's like why is there tar on the stairs <laughs> he's just a handful of years removed from real genius so mm-hmm Moles and trolls. <laughs> Moles and trolls. Moles and trolls. Yeah. Oh, I do want to – one of my favorite quotes from this movie going back to um, after the, pan, the, the paint can hits when Harry and Marv are running up the stairs. Harry's got a line. Mm-hmm. You bomb me with one more can, kid, and I'll snap off your cojones and boil them in motor oil. It's a really specific threat. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that's a really yeah, that's a really specific threat that I find like okay, that's a little insight into um where Harry's mind goes when he's panicked. I feel like he's been right. planning that one though. I feel like that's like he's like someday <laughs> I'm gonna have a job go bad and I'm gonna need a really cool threat. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. He's that one's been in the yeah. in the chamber. He's yeah. waiting to fire. Lock and loaded. <laughs> Lock and loaded. All right. Um, so yeah, so then we wind up, uh, part five of our adventure with this cliffhanger. What's going to happen? Does Kevin get away? Does Marv got him? Is that really Buzz's spider? Does the spider, does all this, does all this tarantula setup finally pay off? Spider lay eggs in Marv's face. (laughs) Oh. You're the worst. Oh, oh. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Why do we invite George to these things? Just... Take it to the next level of bad. See, you you mistake that like that sort of like tingly feeling inside as happiness, but actually it's like your inside shriveling. It's it's the it's the spider uh, eggs hatching yep. inside uh, is what it is. Oh, they're come pouring Sleep. out of his tear ducts. Sleep well tonight. Oh. Oh. All right. So so as we we've come to the end of uh, this section of the movie, be, before you depart, anything. Uh, anything else you you folks want to say, George, Liz, Alan? Anything on um, you know not just this section, on uh, any anything home re- home alone related? You need to you feel you need to get I, off your chest. So I read this book. God, by no, Chuck I'm going to talk over I'm you. Kidding, I'm going to over George and say something less weird. I'm kidding. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that every time I hear rocking around the Christmas tree, I picture the scene from earlier uh-huh. in the movie where Kevin has like all of his fake people set up for his fake Christmas party. Yeah. Who has that many cardboard I cutouts in there? I adore that. That's like probably my favorite scene of the whole movie <laughs> where he's got like a cardboard cutout on a, on a record player. So it's turning around like it's dancing and somewhere they've Michael got a Jordan yeah. is on a, they've on got the a train. mannequin in their house for some reason. This is a very weird family and I love them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's for their period, the periodic, times when they need to suddenly relocate and they're on the run from the FBI. So they need mannequins that they can leave in the bed so it looks like they're still there while they're sneaking out the back door. That's fine. This family's cuckoo kachoo and I, I love it. And- yeah. Yeah. 
For me, unlike uh, Liz, who likes to watch the Hallmark movies, there are very few new Christmas movies that I find myself watching. But because this movie was one of those ones that I was able to start watching when my kids were much younger, my two oldest just graduated from college to give you kind of a range of how long we've had this movie in our in our household. And there's something that's just always special about going back to this movie that reminds me about what it was like to have five, six, seven year olds running around the house at Christmas time and to have that, you know, children the same age as Kevin McAllister. And for me, it'll always be that movie that sort of transports me back to being a young parent with young children. Yeah, I can see it is it is it's a nice little snapshot of a time in life that certain naivete and innocence that Macaulay brings to the role. And it is it's it and the movie in general, it's it's good family fun. It's got stuff for kids. It's got you know, as an adult, it's still entertaining. And certainly if you are an adult with kids, um, it's something you can all watch together. Yeah. Safe holiday fun for all. Yes, the Greek. Unless you're George and he starts talking yeah, about it, I would novel be way more inclined. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Listen, I, I like books. <laughs> so do I. But but uh, I would be way way more inclined to watch this with my daughter than I would to just pop it in on my own. For for the same reasons, because there's a lot of kid stuff, but there's still enough grown up stuff in it to keep you interested. And if you know it enough, and I, she's seen it before, but if she's ever over and wants to watch a Christmas movie, uh, like something that's like not Die Hard, I would probably put this one on. Good choice. Right. Always yeah. a good I mean, choice. Yeah. For for not being Die Hard, it's, it's pre- pretty close <laughs> to Die Hard. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I swear it's inspired. Cool thing about it is if you've got, let's say, a bunch of nieces and nephews coming over in the holidays from Thanksgiving all the way through, you can pop this on for a mixed from, you know, seven-year-olds through 12, 13, 14-year-olds whatever and they're all going to watch the movie there's a it's a fun safe movie for the holidays that everyone can watch and enjoy mm-hmm. absolutely yeah. absolutely um and so on that note if folks want to have more safe fun don't have george on your podcast uh <laughs> don't invite george <laughs> don't invite george i um, never cussed once <laughs> no you've done something far more damaging to yeah. my mind <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, don't invite George, but do invite Alan. And so where can folks hear more from you, Alan? Uh, if you guys want a little bit more about what we do at our podcast, we uh, call The Wilder Ride. We look at the movies of Gene Wilder, breaking them down in one-minute chunks for our regular season. And then, much like what Sean's doing here, we have an off-season. We uh, put those on our Patreon page to try to uh, generate different interest and maybe a little bit of, of revenue to help offset the cost of the show. So I uh, just encourage you to check out thewilderride.com. That's the website that has links to all of it, whether it's a podcatcher or social media. We even have an Alexa skill where you can get a weekly flash brief- briefing where we try to put out movies by minutes news and other podcasting news that we think might be of interest. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the great that the news flash through the Alexas is really great. Um, so yeah, folks should, should check the, all that out. Um, and so, and Liz, if folks want to hear more of your insight and hear you talk about some other movies, where can well, they find you? You can hear me talk about 96 minutes worth of Mean Girls, where I make the mistake of inviting George more than once. And then I, <laughs> whatever. And then I'm, uh, I've made the long term mistake of inviting, well, the opposite way, really, of accepting George's invitation to talk about a, a movie I've never seen. So get excited for Way to Do Minute because it's yep. uncomfortable weirdness plus me experiencing a movie for the first time in minute chunks. 
Good time. Yeah. So have you, have you still not seen? And I assume this is this is the 1984 yeah. Dune. Oh yes, this is yes. David Lynch's. Have uh, you still no, not he, seen it? it he, we decided that's going to be part of the <laughs> part of the shtick or one of our. You know, it's a part of the a bit for the <laughs> podcast. So I've read the book. I've heard the All audiobook right. multiple times, and I'm just going to go into the movie the way I think that David Lynch intended, watching it one minute at a time. Mm-hmm. Yep. Nice, nice. You're in for a treat. Like honestly. A lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, and I think we're we're in for a treat listening to you. Be in for a treat. Um, and George, nobody wants. Well, we need we need to know where George is so we can avoid him. Well, don't Stay listen away. to Wait a Dune Minute, and definitely don't listen to the Mogwai Minute, where my co-host, former co-host, I guess now Neil and I have done the Gremlins movies one minute at a time. Um, I don't think there are any necrophilic references in those. Mm-hmm. But I also can't speak a hundred percent. I'm going to be like ninety percent sure, but I won't guarantee it. Yeah, I, I would recommend that people take uh, check out if you haven't listened to Mogwai Minute. Uh, the Gremlin movies are great, and it's a great podcast. Just only listen to the Neil Brown part. <laughs> just that one side. <laughs> just skip over advice. everything I say. Do you get that thirty second, fifteen second? forward thing yeah. going on real quick turn turn that fader all the way to the right just ignore the left <laughs> channel and and you may survive <laughs> i don't know if that actually works or not <laughs> when i remembered to do a little fading yeah like a little left and right balance but there you go. didn't happen all the time no no but check out yeah mogwai minute mean girls minute uh the wilder ride was wonderful and then uh way to dune minute coming up so uh yeah folks check that out and then check us out you've been here For this long, come back, part six, the exciting conclusion. We'll see how this thing wraps up. So uh, come on back then. I can't wait to find out if Kevin's family comes back. They don't. (laughs) Spoilers. (laughs) Spoiler alert. Is it too early to say Merry Christmas, everybody? See, what happens is Kevin died on the plane crash. That's it, everybody. Bye. What? (laughs) And he came back and he is trapped in the purgatory of the living home alone while his parents are also dead, but in other parts of like whatever health. Gosh damn it. (laughs) (laughs) That's why that's why he's so good at this plan because he's done it over and over again in his health cycle. See, actually, Kevin McAllister's father died in Vietnam and he was never born, so he's trapped in purgatory, which is why he's why he's home alone. Mm -hmm. And then they get reunited at the end of Jacob's lap. Yeah. <laughs> Cut the last five minutes of this and you're good. <laughs> yeah. The last five, the first uh, hour 55. And yeah. <laughs>